right, hi everyone. My name's Sean, and you're listening to Incredible Discourse. Today we're gonna talk about something real simple and real obvious, but it's not, it's obvious when, once I say it. Like, I'm gonna say it, and you're gonna be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And it has to do with Japan and the archipelago being considered a monolithic entity, right? So if we could think about Japan, people's general notion of Japan as isolated, um, from the rest of the world, and that's kind of from the Tokugawa period, the shogunate, wanted to cut the country off, and they kind of did a good job at it. But if we think about Japan prior to that, it's an island, and islands have water next to them. They're, by de- they're surrounded by water, and it's historically, it's always been much easier to travel, communicate, and create networks across water than it has been to establish them across land. That's why port cities are so big. And if we think about the history of Japan, we shouldn't think about it being an isolated island. We should be thinking about it being an internationally networked and connected island that has the ability to connect to many, many more places than, like, let's say, the internal parts of China or even the mountainy internal parts of the Korean Peninsula, right? So, and we think about Japan in that context, it begs the question, well, if Japan has all of these potential for ports, and in reality, hundreds and, um, let's say, let's let's go on and say hypothetically thousands of ports were created and built and maintained throughout the Japanese archipelago, they had to go somewhere, and you're not just driving to another part of Japan, it's much closer to get to the Korean Peninsula, to get to China, to get to Taiwan, to the Ryushu Kingdoms. There's lots and lots of places that the Japanese people can go and trade and establish cultural community, uh, you know, communication and networks between that, uh, you know, it's just an avenue that I, is rarely seems to be explored when thinking about Japanese history, right? And even Korean history, because I guess Korean and Chinese history tend to be much more, um, vocal and like to identify with the fact that they did a lot of trade with Japan. So if you look at those, the records and uh, documents from the Korean Peninsula and continental China, you'll see that they're like, yeah, and we sent someone down to Japan and they traded and they came back. I mean, all the way back up until, you know, the, what's it called? The, um, the Yoyoi period, right? When agriculture really came into the islands, it came into the islands because everyone had fucking boats and they just boated on over. They're like, hey, look, there's some land over there. I bet I could fucking grow some rice. And then, boom, he took his family with all his spears and and grew some rice. But then even more so than rice, and this is kind of like where we're going with this, is that because you can only trade so much rice, and if you're going to try to find a place for rice, it's not Japan. You're not going to Japan and being like, this is this is the fucking place we grow rice. No, because there's not a lot of area uh, of, of farmable land in the Japanese archipelago. You go there because there's other resources. You can get salt, you can get iron, you can get seal fur, you can kill dolphins, you can get whales. There's tons and tons of other resources, natural resources that are not agrarian in the Japanese archipelago. And for the general historian throughout history, general historian, nice to meet you, um, for the general historian of Japan, the focus on agrarian lifestyles throughout the history completely overshadows and downplays the role of other commercial 
and productive ventures throughout the you know the Japanese archipelago. And uh, that's it. That's that's kind of what I wanted to say. I wanted to talk about that, and that we're going to be exploring that. You know, the different industries that grew up in the in the islands, and one of the reasons that you know more notable historians don't take and don't look at these things is because the vast majority of records that exist are from the state, from the government, the imperial house, uh, in terms of collecting on taxes. And the taxes that were collected historically throughout the Japanese archipelago were on farmable land. So if you have X, uh, you know, what is it? It's not acres. They were, shit, Q's, no. X, we'll do acres because I mean, no acres, but um, there's another term for it. Shit, I skipped in my mind. Anyway, you have X acres of, of farmable land. That's what your tax burden was based off of. And of course, it changed throughout time, but essentially, land, you know, how much land you owned and farmed was equivalent to how much you paid in taxes. And then, based off of that, the government would then pay attention to and privilege landowners over other people who were salt producers, merchants, craftsmen, uh, you know, people who made salt. Salt's kind of a fucking big deal. You know, people who mined gold. People who mined gold. And these, or merchants, people who traded between ports, you know, took some Japanese goods, went to Korea, traded with some Korean goods. They brought back books and writing and all sorts of cool stuff. The merchants, historically, much, much more, well, not much, but they were very, very wealthy. Even people who, on tax papers and documents, seem to be like peasants or considered non-people were very, very wealthy. And this confusion not only comes from an over-reliance on government tax documents, but it also comes, you know, in terms of a, a, a name game. And the old Confucian adage, you know, the necessary, the need for the rectification of names, right? That we should call things by what they are. And when you change the meaning of words, you distort communication and you lose harmony, right? Because then no one understands what the fuck anyone else is saying. But, um, but yeah, so when you change the names of these people or use kind of disingenuine titles and labels for merchants and people who just, who aren't farmers, you kind of get this distorted image of the past. And that's, uh, that's not cool. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it for today. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the fact that Japan's an island and there's, you know, there should be a lot more interest and discussion about how they had established networks between the Japanese islands, other islands, and the various parts of the continent and the shore. And then uh, one of the reasons we ignore this is because we focus so much on state tax documents and um, uh, census and uh, various censuses um, from the Japanese state that, uh, that we ignore these people. And that we kind of get this really distorted view of history. Um, this is definitely something we'll be coming back to. And uh, I'll see if I can get some historians on that that disagree with me. <laughs> it's really not hard to find people who disagree with me. Because I tend to take rather uh, crunch, uh, contrarian views on things. Um, but I think the, 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 biggest, the biggest hurdle is to get them to come on. Finding them, easy. Getting them to come on the show, a little bit harder. But it should be fun if I get someone on. If not, you know, we'll keep doing our thing until until we hook someone. But uh, anyway, 
that's pretty much it for today. My name's Sean. This is Incredible Discourse. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, hit me up at incrediblediscourse at gmail.com. And, um, oh, or on Twitter at uh, whatever Twitter at Incredis. You'll see me. It's my head on a little tanuki body. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for today. I'm out.